Hi, I'm Alexandra Roxo, your host of the Holy Fuck Podcast. I've created this podcast because I want to explore how the mystical touches us in our everyday lives, how the sacred and the profane move together like two sides of the same coin. I found that personally, the most magical view I can choose of life is when I find the divinity, the healing, and the transformation in all of life. In this podcast, you can expect to hear inspiring conversations and storytelling that touch the heart and awaken the soul. This is a place for the modern seeker, passionate human, and curious explorer. A place where we can redefine what is sacred and what is profane, and just have the courage to open to it all. A place where we can step out of the mainstream programming and choose what stories and beliefs and rituals we hold sacred and true. On this podcast, you're going to hear from people on all sorts of walks of life, sharing what they're passionate about, what keeps them awake at night, what they consider to be sacred, what they consider to be profane, how they have explored life and freed their hearts and souls through love and spiritual practice, art, meditation, sex, drugs, birthing, prayer, just experiencing life in all of its wild tragedies and comedies. Plus, ideas, explorations, advice, and truths from me on sex, relationships, spirituality, and what it means to be a human on this planet at this time. If you found that you're also a rebel mystic who doesn't fit into the flattened ideas of good and bad and spirituality, but sees the nuance that life has to offer us, then I hope you find a home with me here in this podcast. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. So today's uh, podcast is a solo podcast. It's just me. And I would love to tell you a story. Now, I'm going to attempt to tell a multi-year story in a short period of time. So bear with me. And today's podcast is a personal one because I've been having a lot of internal inquiry over the last year and a half, like probably many of us have, but, um, more and more, I have clearer questions about who I want to be in the world and what I want to stand for, what I want to represent, how I want to inspire, how I want to show up. And those are questions, so they don't always have clear answers, which is okay with me because I like to live in a place nowadays where there's space for nuance, inquiry, um, you know, where there's space for a multi-dimensional, multi-layered, gray cloud fertile, you know, answer that isn't black and white. So once upon a time, I was a filmmaker and an artist. And many of you may know that I, um, I started as an artist. I showed my photographs in galleries. I, I directed a few plays during college in New York City with some friends, put those on. Um, I was really devoted to my art, and my art was all about this inquiry about how to be a woman in the world, a sexual woman and a spiritual woman, and how um, these parts of women were always in, in, in movies and in, um, myths and fairy tales, they were always split. Like there was a split in woman. You were either one thing or another, right? You're either good girl or bad girl, essentially virgin whore. So in my early days, I spent a lot of time, um, creating art about this internal soul inquiry. And that just led me from one artistic pursuit to another. So, um, 
I had a blast writing a script um, that was based on the lover's card and the tarot. That script actually didn't get made into a movie, but we were close actually with this actor from Twilight named Jackson Rathbone, which I don't know what he's up to these days, but um, you know, my friend who we wrote the script together sort of, or she helped me a little bit here and there, um, she did like a screen test with him and we put it on YouTube and many, like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people have watched it, but I don't know what he's up to these days. Anyway, so I, I think I must've been like 23 then. And I was really on a path. I was like, I'm going to make art about these questions I have about being a sexual woman and a spiritual woman. And, um, and how those things can can live together because in me they still felt very split and that was that was like probably about I guess 15 years ago um after that I started making art to reflect other parts of my journey so my web show be here now which I made that really reflected my um my experience of kind of this like uh, immediate wellness world. And before that had been sort of in the self-study pre-internet, I'd gone, I read books like autobiography of a yogi and be here now. But then at a certain point it was like, Oh, okay. I'm getting invited to peyote ceremonies and ayahuasca ceremonies. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm learning about, you know, mindfulness and all of this. So, um, I made this web show with my collaborator at the time. Um, and forgive me if you know some of this stuff and you're yawning with boredom, but I am going somewhere with this story and with this kind of recap for newbies or for those of you who are, you know, just like obviously don't know my life by heart, <laughs> which is great. Um, but anyway, so we made these two two seasons of this web show, Be Her Nowish, which really reflected me trying all this spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual stuff. Like I tried orgasmic meditation and I have a podcast coming about this where I'm going to talk really clearly about what it was like to do that, which is essentially like a, a stranger stroking your clit. Um, more on that later. Um, and in our web show, there was also like a very tantric cliche stereotype satire of sex scene, which is pretty funny. So we had all of these kind of, um, these sort of, these sort of modern, uh, conscious folks tropes in, um, in our web show, like, you know, a threesome that was all about like consciously engaging in group dynamics. And there was a lot of kind of this wellness speak, um, processing in that show. And I, that was almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy how fast time flies. Um, what's funny is I wrote the second season season of that show and like my favorite, um, like psychotherapists and psychologists um, in the sort of depth psychology tradition and the Jungian psychology tradition say that, you know, and many people say this, that writing is a portal to the unconscious. And so I wrote this character who moves to LA and becomes a coach. And I really feel my subconscious was speaking to me. She was like, hey, do this thing. Now, at the time, I thought that was so incredibly embarrassing to become a coach. Like at the time, I was going to like really cool parties with like the cool kids in LA and New York. And I thought becoming a coach would be so embarrassing. I thought it was like something really cheesy, but I found my own approach to it, which took me a minute, but I, I found my approach. Now, here's where I want to get into some of the juicy stuff. 
part of me building my business, um, which was an extension of my art and my writing, but part of it meant I was using all this imagery and this marketing um, about myself. And during this time, the friends who had known me for many, many years before, they were like, why are you putting all these glossy, sexy pictures of yourself on the internet? Like before when you were doing it as art, we kind of got it because there was this like kind of artistic feminist bent around some of my photography or my filmmaking. There was a satire, a comedy, but they're like, now you're pretty much selling you, right? Like you're, so you wearing that outfit that seems like very kind of revealing in this um, mainstream way of, of marketing women, like you're kind of falling into that thing that you didn't want to be, right? And at the time, I defended myself, really. I was like, this is my body. I'm allowed to do what I want with it. If I want to put all these pictures of me looking sexy, it's my prerogative, like, as a woman. And so some of my friends were like, okay, fine, but you're masking it as this spiritual thing. Now, now years later, I, I can see that that was probably like kind of a... Um, dissonant, right? Like I was saying that I was standing for something that probably uh, wanted to cause no harm to others. But at the time I was potentially causing harm to others by using my um, beauty, my body size and skin color to sell. And so, but it would take me years to realize that I was sort of just just perpetuating the status quo and just perpetuating what I had seen in magazines my whole life. Some of which actually really love and some of which is toxic and harmful feeling, at least to me, um, which is like a constant quest for perfection, a constant quest for thinness, um, a constant quest for beauty. Um, and so I found myself using those to sell, but, and, and it was really fun because, and I'm going to get really real right now. It's like, because I have those things to sell. I, if I if I work out and I diet, I can make my body look a certain way. I've given that up now. I mean, not working out, but dieting. Um, I've, I've really accepted, you know, my body in its more natural iteration as opposed to trying to make it look like something I saw in thousands and thousands of movies and TVs and magazines. Um, but at the time, I was like, I even was blowing my hair out. And I wore my hair curly from age, like I straightened it for a little while when I was in, I think, middle school. And then I started wearing it curly, like I think when I was like 14. And then I wore it onward curly, like religiously, did not straighten it until I became a coach. And I thought, oh, I'm going to straighten it and see what happens. But again, I knew what I was doing, just like I knew what I was doing when I was posting photos where I looked pretty, glossy, etc. I knew what I was doing and I was like, I'm just going to see what happens. However, I do think I caused myself harm and potentially other women who were like, she's, she looks perfect. Her hair's perfect. Her skin's perfect. I probably face tuned out some zits, you know? So then other people are thinking, oh, I'm not perfect. And look at her belly is perfect or whatever the hell. And my hair, right? Like her hair is, um, you know, her hair is, is, uh, so perfect and beautiful. Yeah, I was getting it blown out. I was paying money to do that. So, um, you know, during that time, I was actually really enjoying this sort of like self-glossification. <laughs> and I think it was par for the course because I had moved from New York to LA. And in LA, even the people that I was hanging out with were who were more on the artsy side of the spectrum, there was still this kind of glossiness and this like 
you know, sort of, we all look really goodness and uh, we're all thinness. And it was very rare to go into a party or a meeting or a room and experience people in a more raw real state. So, you know, this was the, those are the years that I was forming my coaching business. And I think that all of us, as we mature, we look back and we kind of have these moments where we cringe and we go, oh, that was, that was embarrassing. Like I was saying these things and I was doing these things and I may have caused other people harm. And it's, it's really sad to feel that and to go, well, like there may have been women isolated from me because I was portraying myself in a certain way that was only perpetuating these, uh, non-realistic ideals about beauty standards for women. This is like the addiction to perfection, right? Like I'm going to post the picture that looks perfect and my hair looks perfect and my body looks perfect. And, um, and social media is the perfect breeding ground for that kind of addiction and that kind of, and it's, it's so subtle in a way because, you know, uh, you can just like get by with it because it's acceptable. It's acceptable for a woman to work out, um, and, and get her hair done, get her nails done and, and, uh, make sure her body looks a certain way so that, because that's just what we've been told to do. So it's not like, it's not like, uh, you know, the same as say doing heroin, which is not socially acceptable, but is an addiction nonetheless. And I'm not saying that they are tantamount that, uh, the addiction to perfectionism, which is a larger topic as well, but I'm not saying that that's the same as an addiction to heroin, but it's one that you can hide very easily. And so, and it's also, it comes up in small moments. So it's not like in one area of your life, you could be completely messy and raw and whatever, but in another area, there could be like this really deep perfectionism that you can potentially hide, you know, the same thing can happen with like workaholicism or, you know, perfectionism in work, in work where you're like thinking over and over, did I write the right email and I could have written it better. And, and that's, that's potentially like an obsessive tendency, right? Um, which can be, you know, a cousin of anxiety. So I have those, some of those tendencies, which I've just learned to live with. Right. And it's like when I was younger, I would work out a lot and just continue to always try to make my body look a certain way or, um, you know, not so much my hair, but my body, I suppose. Um, and then when I became in this kind of online marketing myself as a coach, those things just kind of slid in. It's like, oh, it's fun to look beautiful and like get the outfit and get the look and uh, make sure the hair is done. Like, this is actually fun. Like, I'm, I can be super, super, you know, cliche, stereotypical girly. And so that kind of, um, even though that potentially that girliness is born from watching all the movies and the TV shows, like there's something fun about it. And that's also what makes it nuanced and complex. It's like, well, there is something fun about it. There is something fun about, you know, making myself into looking more modely or, you know, photographing in a way like that's really fun. I've been an actor off and on since I was like a little kid. So that's really fun. 
And, um, but the thing about acting is that when you adopt a character, you're showing like their deepest, usually pains or angers or flaws, right? And so in, in a social media world, uh, you curate even your flaws, you curate even your vulnerability. So it's a curated vulnerability. Um, and, and it's interesting because back in the blogging days when people were just kind of blogging, um, it was kind of pre- it, it, it may have been slightly performative, but at the time, nobody was sharing so intimately, right? It was like, except Anna Yusinin, who was like the first blogger. But, um, but so bloggers were, were sharing intimately, but that was very different than being on a social media platform because it wasn't plastering p pictures of yourself while saying vulnerable, intimate things. Um, so the vulnerability piece I have loved, I love being real and vulnerability is kind of a mushy word at this point. I think it's been kind of overused, but I think that like being real is a relief to my system when women are like, oh my God, I also still hate my belly or, oh my God, I also like, uh, think that I'm not enough, you know, or whatever it is like, oh, I also sometimes zone out during sex. What I found that in this kind of like wellness coaching space that that was gone, that unless it was like this big pomp and circumstance of like, oh my God, I have to tell you guys, I'm insecure about my body and I look perfect, but I know that, um, that I'm not. And I need to tell you guys, like there was there were these curated flaws or curated vulnerabilities in, in most people. Um, I'm not saying everybody, so please don't quote me in that way because there's so many great people out there. But I felt like the culture at large created this space of if I have a vulnerability or flaw, I also have a solution for it. So I can't just have a flaw. I can't just have a defect. I can't just be sort of fucked up or broken or deliciously like um, those beautiful Japanese pots that are, you know, sort of put back together with gold. Um, I can't be, be that. I have to have a flaw and vulnerability and also have the solution for you. And I may have a course to sell it. And, you know, part of that... Um, is okay, of course. And part of that is, in my opinion, harmful because it doesn't allow for us to just be as we are and to just acknowledge, you know, that we're doing great <laughs> and that we don't need to sort of keep pounding into the ground where we're flawed. So anyway, in this time, in these last few years, I've sort of, you know, I kind of constructed this kind of vibe and look and feel, and I'm like, okay, this is my art now. I was a filmmaker, a writer, actress, director, and now I'm doing this. But wait, is this in alignment with me? Um, is this true? Is Does this have the deep, bloody, raw, messy soul? Does this have the days where things are really hard? Um, how do I be that person and also have a coaching business? Because I love doing that as, as a part of how I make money. Um, like, can I be a person who's a public person and a coach and also doesn't have it together and also doesn't have all the answers? And so instead of making a business built and giving people answers, can I make a business that's built on um, providing safe, loving space, um, loving, 
holding space for someone and loving, um, calling people back into the body, which is something I trained for years at, in college at NYU around, um, and calling people into emotional expression, which again is something that I trained for years around many, many years. And in my time directing and acting, that is essentially that work. So the, the kind of space that I've come to now is like, um, the conversation about the way that we portray ourselves publicly as women or leaders, um, it continues to evolve inside of me. It's like, there's no, um, there's no hard answer, you know, like I will probably take some pictures that look kind of glossy and pretty, and then I'll probably take some pictures that don't. And, I may get my eyelashes done with extensions. I may not. I may wear lipstick. I may not. Um, I may cover my grays. I may not. Uh, my thighs may be sort of lumpy and bumpy for a while. They may not. So, you know, it's like there's not a conclusive um, thing that I'm telling you except to paying attention. And I think that's what I really want to say is that I have fun in my own self that I get hooked like, like the, because I've had a disordered eating and fear about not being good enough, pretty enough and perfectionism. I, if I see other women who are only portraying themselves as perfect, beautiful, thin, etc., then those things hook into me and I feel not enough and it's not their fault at all, at all. And it's not a new thing, but what I continue to notice is my level of tolerance. It's almost like any other addiction, right? It's like, if you quit drinking, like how soon do you go into a bar? How soon do you feel comfortable sitting with someone having a drink? I honestly am so human that I don't feel comfortable still around women who maybe are, you know, in, in a sort of body obsession with exercise or food, um, or beauty. And, and it's hard because I, I love every, I love women and I love, you know, so many different women. And yet I've had to come to the terms, come to terms with like, I'm still a person who has, you know, my own journey around the, around that, around like being, being white, being thin, being pretty, right? Like one of, they're very different things, right? Like, and they're, they're, not relative in the sense that I, I think it's pretty clear that I'm white, but, um, but they, all of those things impact my life either, you know, have created opportunity or, um, or have created struggle, shame, or guilt. And so being in the deep consideration of who, when I, when I spend time around people where I feel those things flaring up on in me, right? Like around my privilege, around my body size or my, um, beauty, then I have to consider myself almost like a drug addict or st standing in, in front of the drug and somebody just holding it out and going and, and me, you know, kind of going, yeah, I don't feel comfortable looking at those things or being around those things. And that may sound kind of extreme and I'm not saying I don't, I'm not going to hang out with any pretty people and I'm not saying that I'm not pretty or not pretty. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's very complex, but it's more of a continued conversation inside about where our integrity lies with ourselves. And like, 
instead of being like, oh, it's fine. And instead of looking at, 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 at on, you know, social media at people that are thin and beautiful and, and however, whatever little hooks get in for you, if those are mine, yours may be like around them being rich or around them um, being married or I don't know what, but um but just being in the awareness and the in the conversation with yourself and going, yeah, do I really want to go there? So it's been such an ongoing conversation for me. And I think I, I was just like took a week off social media and I was like, okay, there's another layer of truth and authenticity that has to come through now. Like it just has to. And I was like, I need to stop using filters on Instagram. That's just lying. It's just lying. Unless I say, hey, I'm using this cute foam filter, then it's lying. It's creating this false image of myself. And I don't want to do that anymore. But it, man, what an addiction. What a dear addiction. I've even felt myself wanting to post a story and just, just fix my skin a little bit. And I'm like, that's perpetuating an idea that women's skin is supposed to always be perfect or not wrinkled. That's fucked. That is just my opinion as well. So no shame if you're in a different phase or you have a different relationship to it, right? It's so different. You could have a completely different relationship to it. And I, I honor that. And I think that that's great. Just like everything in life, it's not black or white. I'm not saying that's bad. Um, but I did want to share that, you know, and I do think that in these times, um, you know, I, I, I coach women where I'm really coaching them into their heart space um, to feel more and to open more to life, to their own creativity, their own power, their own, you know, radiance, aliveness, which is so deeply on the inside, which then obviously can manifest externally. You know, when we're, when I'm feeling like in a bad mood, my face like turns into a reason. <laughs> it really like just looks terrible. It kind of like puckers and sclinches in. And I think it's kind of the opposite of like when we're feeling, you know, heart open, love radiant, then our face can often be a reflection of that or our eyes. And guess what? I love me when my face turns into a little prune or whatever. I still love her. I love her. And I know it'll change. And after I have a good cry. So, <laughs> um, so there's so much, I think I want to invite you all into your own inquiry around this and just sharing with you as I continue to grow, evolve, mature change, just wanting to bring you there with me into the deep consideration of how we hold ourselves as women, what feels right, what feels wrong. Also acknowledging that what felt right two years ago and what feels right now are just different and that's okay. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the person I was two years ago was terrible and like that she's fucked up or whatever, or three years ago, or four years ago. Um, but it's just allowing for an evolution, um, and allowing to come myself personally to come into greater truth, just truth. What's the truth of this moment? What's the integrity of this moment? You know, am I lying to myself in this moment by, you know, shifting the way my face looks by, you know, tucking my belly in by, am I lying to myself? Am I rejecting myself? Am I rejecting myself by like, you know, kind of like doing a face tune on my face? Am I rejecting actually who's, who's looking at me right now in the mirror? Who's right here? Am I going, you're not good enough for me. I need more. I need better. I got to do three Pilates this week. 
So that's still, that programming is still in me. I have done so much therapy and ayahuasca ceremonies and things to get rid of it. I don't know if it'll ever go away just like any other addiction. I don't know if it'll ever go away. I might just be in a deep relationship with it for the rest of my life. And that's okay. Totally okay. As long as I keep my eye on it, just like everything else. So, um, sharing all of that with you, um, I love, I love having these kind of ahas and, and these clear moments come in and, and wanting to share with it, with you guys, my community as I grow, because it's most important that as a writer, an artist, an author, a coach that I continue to show up clearly with you real, not lying to myself or to you, like not faking some perfect, I am perfect and buy my course and you can be like me. <laughs> So, um, yeah, sending a lot of love to every one of you and just want to tell you, you're doing great that we are in, um, living on a planet and we're spinning through space and it's pretty fucking amazing, cool and terrifying and you're doing great and just, you know, like living with that open heart and just allowing that and then taking the time to inquire and to consider and to feel and heal, however that is. And and then just dancing and looking at yourself in the mirror with your zits and your wrinkles and your cellulite dimples and whatever you have or your bony knees or your, you know, dragging beautiful breasts or your, you know, crow's feet by your beautiful eyes. That All of that is wonderful, you know. It's all, it's all part of it. And um, I think somewhere on the way we got a little off track, so I want to not contribute to that off-trackness, if you know what I mean. Um, and for the sins of my past, I will do penance. No, I won't. For the sins of my past, everything's fine. <laughs> for the sins of my past, I, I send love to her. I send love to myself. I send love to, um, to the whole journey that we are all on as humans and how raw and um, embarrassing and revealed it can be. And also how true it can be. Mm. Okay, everybody, lots of love. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo. And you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all of that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.